the Bucketeers podcast is a proud member of the TSP and the Timescue Podcast Network. You can catch your podcast in a number of outlets, including Google, Spotify, and Timescue.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Bucketeers. Welcome back to week three edition of the pregame podcast. Well, week three, it's the second edition of the pregame podcast. I'm your co-host, Tampa Tones. Welcome in, as always, by Big Buck. We'll bring him in in a minute. And we got our special guest who's been appearing a lot lately, and we love it. Chris from All Things Bucks. You can find him at TB underscore Bucks underscore for life. And that's how I know that he's been on a good amount because I did remember his Twitter name. So, you know, that, that that's something to be impressed with. But... Um, anyways, Tampa fans, real quick, Lightning could win the Stanley Cup by the time this video is out for the pregame pod. If they do, that'll be incredible. They've played a hell of a series. Uh, we'll get into uh, Chris's little Lightning theory in a minute. He'll talk about that. Without further ado, first, so we will bring in Big Buck for the pregame pod, Buccaneers Broncos Week 3. Big Buck, are you hyped for some Week 3 action? Oh, I'm I'm just hyped for breakfast, man. Like, I'm tired, dude. Like, everybody's kind of been up and about. Everybody's been kind of like um, – with the lightning thing, everybody's been watching the game and everybody's excited. And I don't know, we're all just kind of beat. We're all kind of tired, but we're here for – we're here for Tampa Bay, whether if it's for hockey or for football. Let's get it. Yeah, and let's not forget the um, great point. We're here for Tampa Bay and the Rays. I, I'm a Cubs guy, but I do I root for you know Tampa. So the Rays yeah. are doing incredible too. They're in uh, they're in first. So it, it, Tampa's doing amazing things. Next, we'll bring in Chris, and he'll share a little bit of his light on his lightning theory. Chris, how we doing? Hey, what's up, guys? Yeah, man, you can't forget about the Rays. You know they're they have like a payroll of twenty eight million dollars and they're going to have the best record in the American League. That's awesome right there. With uh, the number one seed. Me being a Di- Tampa Bay uh, – sorry, uh, Arizona Diamondback fan, um, I also kind of look at the Rays, but I also kind of have like this philosophy of as long as you hate the New York Yankees, uh, you're my friend forever. So that's all I was trying to squeeze in, Chris. Sorry for uh, interrupting you there. No, it's all good, man. Yeah, I mean – as a race, long-time race fan, I hate the Yankees. I'm not a big fan of the Red Sox. My wife and her family are all Red Sox fans. Um, if they were Yankees fans, I don't know if I could have gone through with it. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's it's been an incredible last couple, you know, months for the Lightning, the Rays, the Bucks. I mean, I'm getting to this point now where I, I'm, like, sports exhausted. But I love every minute of it. Yeah, and um, go ahead, and uh, I, I always think it's interesting, and I know you were going to talk about it, but is it raining in Tampa, and what does rain and the lightning um, have to do with each other lately in the playoffs especially? Well, I don't live in Tampa. I live in Maryland. Right, right. But every time it's rained on a game day when the lightning have played, the lightning have won. I, I believe they count 5-0 and right now including last night. And uh, guess what, guys? It hasn't been, like, downpour raining, but it's been raining on and off all day long. So I, I see that as a good sign for the Lightning to bring home the Stanley Cup tonight. Well, you heard it there first from Chris. I mean, I know this video won't be out tomorrow, but 
It looks like the Lightning are in line for a good one. I know I told uh, my old man, hey, go out and put some money on the Lightning. Every game this postseason, I pretty much threw a couple bones on the Lightning, you know, because uh, it's just easy to. And, I mean, the Tampa Bay Rays thing amazes me. $28 million for their entire payroll. In other words, pretty much they could trade their whole roster for Tom Brady. Um That'd be that'd be epic uh, if the Rays traded for Brady. You know that'd be. And, that, and not only that is if they've had the Rays have had eleven pitchers on the injured list. Oh, you wow. know from when the season started, and they just got contribution after contribution. You know Josh Fleming has just been amazing when it was time when he got called up to pitch. You know, he'll go five and a third, five and two thirds, and he'll maybe get, you know get one or two runs scored on him. And then, you know, it's just been amazing contributions all around, you know, from everyone has seemed to bought in on Kevin Cash. If he doesn't win manager of the year, I'm probably going to lose my, my stuff. Yeah. He's, I, he's well deserving of it. I don't see how he doesn't win manager of the year. The Rays in that division, I know uh, Boston has been down this year, but I didn't expect them to be that good, to be honest. I mean, the Rays in a division with the Yankees, Blue Jays, et cetera, what they've done is truly, uh, you know, mind-blowing, and they definitely deserve to get Kevin Cash, that manager of the year. And shifting gears now, we I love talking baseball. I love talking uh, hockey. But, you know, we the pregame pods are a little quick. So we're going to look into Bucks broncos um, we, we have Dr- Jeff Driscoll starting, who started some games for Detroit last year, never tore it up, but, you know, a quarterback who – it has experience. It'll be an interesting game. Broncos are pretty banged up. They could be without their two receivers in Jerry Judy and um, Cortland Sutton. Philip Lindsay's a little banged up. You know, uh, uh, Bradley Chubb is back from a big injury. And alongside him, Von Miller has, is out for the year. So they're just banged up or just, you know, catching their foot footing if you're Bradley Chubb. Big Buck, what's your prediction on the game? How do you think this game will go? And uh, what are some key points to this game? I just want to finish up on a positive note. So I'm just going to get all the negatives kind of out of the way. I'm just a little bit afraid of the Broncos defense. Um, I know they gave up a bunch of yards to Ben Roethlisberger last week. Um, but the we I don't want to go up against Bradley Chubb. Like, I don't want to go up against him at all. Um in 2018, he did come out and be defensive rookie of the year and had a bunch of sacks. And, you know, he, he lined up great with Von Miller. And then he had the injury, and now he's starting to finally recover from it. Um, I still don't like him going off on the left side. If that, that would be an easy sack for him. And I think that would also um, be a good idea for the defensive coordinator because you would also force a uh, running back – or a tight end to be locked up into a blocking um, uh, role for that play, and then that would be less receivers for the DBs or the middle linebackers to cover. Um, So I'm a little bit worried about the defense, but on a positive note, I think our defense is going to be even tougher against this uh, drained, injury-riddled Broncos offense that gave up six sacks like Jeff Driscoll took a six pack of sacks last week. Uh, (laughs) And um, 
I think we can beat that. I think we're going to walk out with more than six sacks, and I think it's Shaq Barrett's homecoming after leaving for uh, for a bigger role in, a, in an organization. Um, he's going to want to prove to the Broncos organization that I am the real deal, you did miss out, and this is my team now, and I'm going to succeed here. Chris, what are your positives and negatives, bud? My positives are that the Bucks' offense is healthy. You know, I'm, you're getting Chris Godwin back. I, I really missed him last week when they played against Carolina. Uh, you know, I just love the way he plays the game of football. And, you know, as much as I like Justin Watson, he's no Chris Godwin. Or Scotty Miller, he's not Chris Godwin. So my biggest positive is getting Chris Godwin back this week. And, uh, you know, it's the first time this season you're going to have pretty much a healthy offense. Uh, my negatives, I guess we'll get into that later, is the way the Bucks use their tight ends. That's my negatives. Bruce Arians and Grunk's comments aren't making it any easier for me either. No, so. yeah, that, that's that's a, that's the thing. Is it's like um, for I'll I'll address Big Bucks quick. Big Buck, I agree with you. I think Shaq Barrett. It's going to be big for him, especially because he hasn't done too much to start this season. We did franchise tag him. I know it's only one year, but he is earning a lot of money this season. So it would be nice to see him go into his old town, go into Denver, kick their ass. I mean, a lot of people forget that Shaq was a Denver Bronco when they won the Super Bowl. Um, so, you know, that's something when they beat Carolina. So it'll be interesting to see how Shaq Barrett does there. And, uh, let, let's hope tomorrow's his big day. Let's hope it's a homecoming. I agree. I, I think Bradley Chubb's, um, you know, key to block and get the Bucks offense going. And then it, it kind of ties in together there. Cause then we could use a tight end. And as Chris said, we'll talk a little later, but I'm, I haven't been too happy with their tight end usage. I mean, I know sure Gronk's been blocking good, but at the, at the end of the day, you're not necessarily paying a guy like that to come out of retirement, that type of money to block. And I mean, we could have cut Cam. I, I love Cameron Bray. Okay. But he's played 7% of snaps. He played four snaps last week. If, you know, we restructured his contract this offseason, so that means we wanted him here, or else, you know, we would have traded him, cut him, something. But we restructured him, so we wanted him here, and now he's not playing. Uh, a little confusing to me. We'll get into that a little later. But score predictions for the game, guys. I'm going with Bucks 27, Denver Ten. I think we win twenty-seven to ten. I don't think Denver does too much against us. I mean, their only strong suit besides Noah Font right now is their running backs. If Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon are in at the same time, and Lindsay's unhealthy, Gordon he, he could be a game factor. But we do very good against running backs, as we showed against Christian McCaffrey last week. I think the Bucks' offense is pretty good. I think it's still a little slow. I don't think it's great. I do think a tight end is a touchdown catch. I can't tell you what, but I do think hopefully Tom Brady is smart enough to start getting the tight end position involved a little more because that position is so important, especially on a team three deep. I mean, if you put up our numbers from our tight ends the first two weeks and if you put up what we're paying our tight ends, it just doesn't add up. It, it doesn't add up at all. So 
I know we're going to emphasize on the tight, or at least I hope we're going to emphasize on the tight end. I think we win 27 to 10. I think they get a cheesy touchdown. Chris, what's your scoring predictions on uh, tomorrow's game or today's game by the time this video is out? My prediction, it'll be 38 to 10. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, I think, look, man, this Denver is a, they're not a healthy team right now. They're missing a lot of their key pieces. Um, it's going to be a rough day for Jeff Triscoll. You know, um, this defense doesn't play around. And one of my biggest concerns going into this season was the defense we saw last year at the, you know, the last six games of the season, the defense we're going to see this year. And so far it's been that they've been everything that was at, has as advertised. And I just, look, I, I feel bad for Jeff Driscoll going in this game tomorrow. You know, hopefully he says some prayers. You know, he might, you know, (laughs) six sacks might be, you know, where this Bucs team gets tomorrow. You know, it's going to be a long day for him. And offensively, you know, we have all our weapons back. You have Evans healthy, Godwin healthy. Um, You know, I don't think Denver's going to be able to cover Mike Evans or Chris Godwin without one of their top cornerbacks. Because let's remember, you know, they let Chris Harris go in the offseason, and he was a really good cornerback for this team, and now they don't have him, and the guy they essentially replaced him with, A.J. Bowie, isn't going to play in this game. So I, I just like – look, I don't like calling blowouts, but I think that's what it's going to be. And it might just be like bucks up like 28 nothing. And then finally, Denver gets on the board with like a field goal or something. Yep, that's how I think this one's pretty going to go, too. I think we, you know, get out quick, and I think Denver just gets, you know, cheesy points late. I don't think they uh, score too much. We each have them only getting 10 points, so that's something. Big Buck, do you agree with me and Chris? It'll be more of a blowout, or are you thinking close ball game? I mean, Jeff Driscoll starting. We've seen this horror story before, though, with. Yeah you know, backup or rookie quarterbacks coming in their first week or first game of the year and torching us via Daniel Jones last year. You know, Case Keenum comes to mind from years before. Big Buck, you think this is going to be a Case Keenum, Daniel Jones type game, or you think the Bucks are going to just shut down Jeff Driscoll? Um, I'm just going to piggyback off of what Chris said. Uh, our I remember there being a tweet saying how uh, Jerry Judy, their rookie wide receiver, was a a game-time decision. And I emphasized that maybe they should have him sit out a game because our defense hits hard. Uh, We injure – I don't want to brag. I don't want to seem like the Saints with the bounty gate thing. Um, But we we hurt Michael Thomas. We hurt uh, Christian McCaffrey. we're a hard-hitting team, and it, and the problem is with all these injuries piling up, I can totally see this young man losing his entire rookie year because, you know, he gets his clock cleaned in a crossing route from uh, Antoine Winfield Jr. Um, but I'm going to say that uh, it might – I'm going to say my score is going to be – 30 to 20 here. It's going to be roughly around there. Um, I think we're going to see relatively the same thing we did against Carolina. We're going to go up early and then we're going to let our, 
we're going to let our foot off the gas pedal and we're going to let them come back and we're going to have to rely on a fourth quarter kind of defensive stop and finally eventually an offensive uh, score to, to make it out of reach like we did exactly last game. Um, it's just I, I just get bad vibes, man. I don't know. Maybe I'm just being a pessimist today, but I just I'm getting bad vibes. I'm getting like you said, painful PTSD flashbacks from Daniel Jones last year. Um, that's the kind of vibe I'm getting with this. But I still think we come out, we do our business, thirty to ten or thirty to twenty. My bad. So you have it being a little closer, but you still have it being a double-digit game. If what happens this week, the same that happened last week, if we ever make it blow out that close again, I'm going to get to, <laughs> you know, I'm going to have a couple questions for what the hell's going on around there because last game, last week, we were kicking their ass and then Tom Brady and Gronk, of all people, had a, you know, disconnect. And, uh, you know, I don't know what's going on there. Real quick before we dive into our players of the game, we'll just crack into this. Gronk was highlighted in the media this week quite a bit. He was asked um, some big questions, particularly about his playing time and little bit of production in the passing game. And Gronk pretty much chuckled, you know, the big, the big goofy Gronk that we all know and love. He chuckled, and he was like, I'm a blogging tight end. That's, you know, that's what I came here for. And I loved it. I love Gronk. But my thing is, we don't pay somebody $10 million to come out of retirement to do that. So I really hope, and I, uh, this is what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that, you know, Gronk is just being funny. I think he just wanted to crack a joke, kind of. Like, I think he enjoys blocking. But I do think by week eight or week nine, um, he gets his feet back a little bit. I mean, Let's not forget a couple of guys who have missed a year and came back, and it really took him to the second half to get going again. Randy Moss, when he came back with San Francisco, he had about 540 receiving yards that year. Majority of his bigger production games came in the second half of that season, perhaps when he did get his legs back. Um, We've seen Le'Veon Bell last year had an awful, awful, awful start to the season. Then his last couple games he got going again. So I'm not making excuses. I'm not saying that Gronk isn't going to be just used as a blocker, but I'm saying there's hope that, you know, that comment was kind of just fluff and that he is going to be targeted heavily, not maybe not even heavily, but maybe in the red zone, something a little more often. Big Buck, do you think Gronk, you know, do you think his role is going to change immensely over the year? Or do you think, hey, this is Gronk now. This is what we're getting. I mean, it really depends on our offensive line, doesn't it? Like, if our offensive line is constantly getting beat, we're going to need to put his big ass on the line to maybe even chip somebody in hopes that Tom could get an extra split second. And that holds up another another receiver spot, like we mentioned before. Um, so, and th- those were interesting stats. I never heard that before about Randy Moss, how uh, he skipped a year and uh, the second half of the season, he was a little bit more productive. I know he skipped a year, but I didn't know that the second half of the year and then also Le'Veon Bell, that's an interesting thing. I didn't uh, think of that. Um, so, well, it's not like they were tremendous, but they were better. Right. They were better. They were better than what they were for the first eight weeks of the, of the season. Like the right. latter half of the season, you saw flashes of their old selves. Exactly. Um, and I think that might be the same here. Um, I think 
but maybe for different reasons. I think our offensive line is eventually – we're going to eventually figure everything out. It's all kind of up in the air, and it's not quite settled yet. We're still finding our identity as an offense. Um, and, and we shouldn't immediately assume that Gronk is not going to have – you know, a very productive year. Like I think it also kind of depends on our opponents too. Um, So just to kind of bring it all home, I do agree with you tones. I am disappointed and we are paying too much for a person just to be an extra lineman. Um, And then we wanted to see more Cameron Bray be out and running more routes, especially in the red zone. He is our red zone specialist. Um, I think we can. Uh, I think we can get there. I think we can get there with Gronk. Eventually, this offense. We've seen flashes uh, last week, and this offense is going to be scary by uh, the time we uh, play against the Saints. I think. Yep, I, I, I can get behind that for sure. Let, let's hope that. Uh, I I do agree that you know Gronk is doing a good job blocking. It, it's just if if we knew he was doing just that or that was his game plan, I wish we could have at least tried and restructured for you know a couple million less or a million less or something but nonetheless at least he's somewhat producing chris what are your thoughts on uh gronkowski's comments and gronk's playing time and his production to this point so much to dissect there um so where i'll start off with this and i'll play devil devil advocate here it's not only you know it's it's not just gronk it's O.J. Howard. It's Cameron Bray. Where was O.J. last week? Why wasn't he more involved in the game plan? You know, it's not just, you know, O.J. didn't take a year off from football. You know, this was – O.J. supposed to have been having his, you know, next step type of year for the last three years now. Um, and it's just not – I've just come to the conclusion that Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich does not know how to – use a tight end or scheme them appropriately. Because if that's the case, if it's just Gronk, you know, just trying to get back into the groove of things, then why, you know, they didn't use OJ Howard in week one against the saints until they were down 24 to seven. Most of his catches came in the second half um, after we were already down 24 to seven. So I just really come to them, Bruce Arians saying, well, you know, that's what we have wide receivers for. And what really kind of where I go from there is, well, you know, last year you kind of overworked your wide receivers, Bruce, and both of them had, you know, pulled hamstrings before the season even ended, you know, three weeks before the season ended. They both missed the last three or four games of the season. You know, if you're trying to make a Super Bowl run, you can't have that. You can't have your two top weapons and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin missing playing time because of, hamstring injuries because they were overworked. And I just think that I just don't like what Bruce Arians had to say. Gronk, yeah, his comments were a little bit goofy and funny. Um, But he heard it. He had to hear it from somewhere, you know, whether Bruce Arians told him to say that or Fox PR told him to say that or, you know, someone's telling him to say those comments. And it's just, I just don't like, I don't like the direction that's going. I think, you know, you're in a league now where tight ends aren't just 
an extra alignment anymore. You know, they got, you know, George Kittle, one of the most effective last year, and their team made it to the Super Bowl. And you just don't, you know, we keep hearing O.J. Howard was supposed to be George Kittle, you know, or even better than George Kittle, you know. O.J. Howard was a first-round pick. You don't draft O.J. Howard to get two or three targets a game and then block the rest of the game. You don't pay Gronk, what, $9, $10 million just to chip the defensive end because Donovan Smith, who's getting $14.5 million, paid as a top-six tackle, can't handle his responsibilities. Yep, I, I was just hoping – Keep going, Chris. What I, was, what I was really hoping for was is when I looked back when the Patriots had Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez, I sort of led myself to believe that we would be seeing that type of production and efficiency from that tight end group where they're both – stretching the field and not only now you have Mike and Chris Godwin on the outside and it's just it seemed like it would be an offense that would be unstoppable but up to this point it's just been Bruce Arians being stubborn and sticking to his you know dinosaur starting his car with his feet Fred Flintstone type of ways you know I I think Bruce Arians is gonna have to swallow his pride and swallow his scheme a little bit and open it up more to the tight ends. And Jason Light said so as much in the offseason, you know, when they when he was at the combine and they were talking about, oh, are you going to trade O.J. Howard? And he's like, no, you know, Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich need to find a way to get him involved. And I agree with that 100%. Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich need to find a way to get your tight ends, whether it's Cambry in the red zone, O.J. Howard earlier in the game, Gronk earlier in the game, get them involved. Yeah, we got probably my rant there. We get, we got it. I love it. I do like that, and um, you know, I haven't really been too critical on Bruce yet, but his usage of tight ends, man, it, it needs to it needs to get better. In Arizona, he struggled getting his tight ends involved. So, a couple. My people, biggest question. My biggest question that I would like to ask Bruce Arians is if your wide receivers run, or if your offense runs through your wide receivers, then why do you have all these tight ends? Why not just go with an Anthony Alclair, a Cam Brayton, a Tanner Hudson? Why did you need to go out and get Gronkowski? Why do you have O.J. Howard still on your roster? Where he could probably go to a different offense and, and really thrive there, you know, with someone who actually knows how to, you know. Imagine O.J. Howard going to, like, a Cliff Kingsbury in Arizona. You know, and it would just be an offensive-minded head coach who knows how to use a tight end. It was someone who has, has evolved. And just Bruce Arians hasn't evolved. He's still stuck in that we'll get up, and then once we get up, we're just going to run the ball. And it just doesn't work that way anymore. You know, you saw it last week when they tried to run the ball, and until Leonard Fournette broke that big run, there really wasn't much doing and it really almost cost them the game if it wasn't for a big play by Carlton Davis. And yep. I just saw it way too much last year where they get all turtle in the second half after a big lead. And when you do that, teams are going to come back. They're going to go – they're going to take advantage of it. 
yeah, yeah they're going to take advantage of it. And I, I agree there. I mean, Bruce does have a few old hold patterns that are hard to break for him, and the tight end seems to be one of them. As you said, if that was going to be the case, I don't think we should have traded for Gronk. And I love Gronk, but, you know, if this is his usage, um, I, I don't really think there was a point in trading for him. We didn't give up a ton for him, but we're paying him a lot and we could use that millions for elsewhere, but Hey, it's only week three. So there is hope that we incorporate these guys in the next 14 weeks, um, a little more involved in the game. So, all right, guys, we got about six minutes left. We'll get into players. We're going to name one each one on the bucks, one on the Panthers players to look out for big buck. We'll start with you. Who's your buck? Who's your Panthers players to look out for? Um, so my Bronco, or, yeah, I don't know why I'm saying Panthers. <laughs> Sorry. I, I got my mind on week two. Bronco, great call. I don't know why I'm saying Carolina. Yikes. Uh, I, I, had to, I had to do it. I'm sorry. Hey, man, I'm glad, I, I'm glad you did it. I'm glad you did it. I'm glad. So I know we went over some offensive weapons last episode that the Broncos have or do not have. Um, and we mentioned Melvin Gordon. But I also want to kind of highlight this player. If this player starts to get going, and he is a a tight end, unfortunately, that is being well used. I mean, at least last year. This year he hasn't really been much. But I'm going to go with Noah Fant. If he gets going, if he – because especially if they are without Jerry Judy, they're not going to have a whole lot of targets. And I think they're going to, you know, give Melvin Gordon his touches. But I also think that, like – Melvin Gordon will be the battering ram, and Noah Fant will be the dagger. Like, they'll crush us up front, and then they'll just go up the seam with Noah Fant. And if our defense is off the gas pedal and we're playing prevent defense, I expect this guy to kind of give off a, another 100-yard kind, of, uh, kind of game. And then for our player to look out for, our player to highlight, I'm going to go with Shaq Barrett. I think he's going to walk out with at least three sacks. I think he's going to put up or shut up. He's going he's gonna to love being in mile high where he spent five years and won a Super Bowl. I think he's going to feel good. And also, I know a lot of players, they love the pewter on pewter. I think they're going to be looking good. They're going to be feeling fresh. I think, I think we're going to come out with a lot of energy. I would love that. I would love that. Man, I'm disappointed you didn't give your Panther to look out for. That's what I was trying to do, man. And that's Bridgewater. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, we'll see there. Um, we'll see if Carolina could get off the schneid. Chris, who's your Buck and who's your Panther player to look out for in week three? Or not Panther, man. Broncos. I did it again, again. Broncos and Bucks week three. We're tired. All right. My... <laughs> My Broncos player to watch out for would be Justin Simmons, a safety. I think he's a really good player, and, you know, it's going to be up to that back-end group to help stop Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. So uh, they have a really good safety group. It's not just Justin Simmons, but Kareem Jackson as well. Um, So it'll be interesting to see because I don't think their corners are going to really hold up too well. So the safeties are going to have to be on point to kind of stop the bleeding a little bit. And my Bucks player is, uh, let's see, Ronald Jones. Mm. Ronald Jones kind of showed up last week, you know, by Leonard Fournette. And if, you know, there's going to be a lot 
of people talking in the next couple of weeks if Ronald Jones doesn't pick it up. Should he be the number one running back, or should it be Leonard Fournette? Um, so I, I think Ronald Jones really has to show why he can be that that guy in a running back group. So he's going to be my player to watch to see if he kind of bounces back or or will he kind of just fold up with the pressure. Yeah, I agree. It'll be interesting to see what happens in the Buccaneers backfield. And real quick, I'll give my Bucks, Broncos, and Panther to look out for. Panther, Mike Davis, you know, he's started. I'm just getting it done with. We don't give a shit about Carolina, but I keep bringing these people into this. Uh, I'll give a shout-out to Mike Davis. Um, Bucks and Broncos, though, for the Broncos, I'm going Josie Jewell. Jewel is a inside linebacker, but he's kind of used how Mark Barron was, you know, used as a safety linebacker type hybrid where he's all over the field. And this guy is really going to have a big impact on if our tight ends or uh, running backs have a good day or not. This guy's a um, tackling machine. He was a, mid, a rookie last year, mid to late round pick. Josie Jewell's one to look out for in this uh, Denver defense coach by a very good head coach for the defensive side of things in Vic Fangio. So I'm highlighting Josie Jewell for the Broncos. <clears throat> Broncos. I'm proud of myself. Got it right a couple times in a row now. <laughs> and for the Bucks, I think Rojo's a really good one. I think Shaq Barrett is a really good good one. I'm going to go Cameron Bray. I'm hoping that this guy can find a way to get on the field tomorrow and get involved. Maybe we're up a lot and we see some Cam Bray. So that would be fantastic. I'm a big Cam Bray guy. Nonetheless, guys, that'll do it. Another week, another pregame pod edition. Man, oh, man. Thanks again to Chris and Big Buck, um, as always, for having time. And we enjoy this, and we're going to keep bringing it to you guys. Thanks again um, on behalf of Chris. He's Big Buck. I'm Tampa Tones. Guys, thanks so much for coming. Uh, let's let's kick their ass week three. Ain't that right, fellas? Damn right. Go Bucks and go right. Bulls. Yeah, it was great to have me on. I'm glad to be a part of your podcast this week. Go Lightning, go Rays, and go Bucks. Yep, sorry again for the uh, Panthers. Go Lightning, go Bucks, go, uh, go Rays for some. So that's it, guys. Have a great day. Have a great night. See you Sunday.